For those of you with sensitive ears, this episode contains some spicy language, so be warned, explosives to come, and many of them. From the kitchen table, this is Gate Closed Panic. time I think considering. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Oh, dear. It smells incredible in here. Oh, I just baked this um, uh, buckwheat bread oh, but no. it takes like three days. You have to circle the grains and then cook it for like two hours. So. It looks incredible. It tastes really good. Okay it's worth it though. But yeah so I have to make sure that I'm going to be home for a few hours. Yes absolutely. Today was the day. Oh um, I brought some treats for us. Did you get a dough? Yeah, I did. Are you still like that? Did you? Yeah. That's so funny. Have I made okay choices? Yeah. Have you had this before? No. That's a cool microphone. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. I, so like, last year, midway through last year, I suppose, I decided to start doing it and I just taught myself off of the internet, basically. Cool. And this was the kind of moderately ish priced microphone that everybody talked about so what does that mean like a thousand dollars no no um i think it was 300 oh that's pretty good yeah yeah i mean it felt like a massive outlay at the time because i wasn't sure if i was just gonna hate it or like bail on it or whatever like so many other little projects (laughs) i started on my life i suppose that's true yeah This week's guest, Alice Blanche, is a visual artist based in Adelaide at Floating Goose Studios. Something I really like about this week's interview is how Alice structures her life around her emotional and her spiritual needs, which is one of the great luxuries of setting your own schedule. Alice is constantly referring back to her emotional state and her personal needs at certain points in her life and how this informed her choices and set her limits. As somebody who gets really caught up with productivity and quantifiable achievement, Alice's story is a good reminder to me in the value of living around your own well-being and being honest about your needs. Alice also speaks about the importance of nature and leaving the city, which is something that's often lost in conversations about career building. A meaningful and nourishing career is grown from the same things as that of a meaningful life understanding yourself, being part of a community and working towards something that you're proud of. Alice seems to understand this really fundamentally and I think that's what makes her a really perfect guest. I'll be back at the bottom of the podcast with a few bits and pieces, but until then, enjoy. Feels pretty good now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my name's Alice Blanche and I'm a visual artist. Cool. Um, so, like I said, um, just starting from kind of the first thing that occurs to you as um, something that turned into an interest in work. Tell me about what you were interested in, maybe at school when you were a kid, and it was after. Well, when I was at school, I really wanted to be an actor. And I used to go to drama classes after school um, when I was was about 13. Yes. Yeah, I used to go to youth theatre classes and learning performances. Most of my friends actually now are from that period of time, from that, and they were doing different creative things. Wow. 
Yeah. So you just held on to that. Community. Yeah, it was really big learning experience as a young person. Yeah. He had to make friends outside of school. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's nice, isn't it? Um, what did you like about it when you were that age? Um, I think we did lots of improvisation. It was really like fun and comedy, and I think yeah, I really enjoyed making people laugh um, and being a part of a group making something. Yeah, yeah. Was special about that. What was school like for you? School was okay. I think compared to other people, but um, I have learning difficulties, so it's always been it's always behind, even though they want to keep me behind in primary school. I, um, but I persisted with the level that I was at, and I've got extra help along the way. But yeah, it was always really tough. Like I try my hardest in class, and I'd get all my teachers would say on my reports, like, Alice tries really hard, but she just doesn't get it. <laughs> so demoralizing. <laughs> but it was like beautiful because I have the like put in the effort. Yeah. So like you know I tried so hard in school and I got. Mm-hmm. Which mm. is fine, but it's like that was the best I could do. Mm. Um, and looking back now, I see that, you know, I don't think, I think it would be cool if they had maybe approached me in a different way yeah. because my mind just doesn't work in that way. Yeah. And um, now there's lots of like alternative ways of teaching and teachers are a bit more aware of that. Yeah. And education is a bit more open. But when I was at school, it was like, this is the way that you have to learn. It felt Richard. Yeah. Mm. But I'm more visual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which you know now, but yeah. at the time it's just confusing. Totally. And I still, like, writing grants and stuff I find very difficult because, yeah. like, even just spelling basic words um, and working with numbers and stuff, it all just gets jumbled and yeah. um, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's just dyslexia. Yeah. Most people have it and it's not the worst. Yeah, but it's hard, particularly when you're at school and you're having to do a lot of stuff that maybe as an adult you will choose not to do <laughs> anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I think drama was just a cool way to kind of leave all that behind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. I'm such a drama kid. I can completely yeah. to that. Were you raised by parents? Mm. Your parents? Um, what did they do? My mum didn't work when we were kids. She was, I guess, stay-at-home mum. And my dad has his own business as a carpet cleaner. Mm-hmm. And my mum, when I was in high school, she could get a job as cleaning, factory cleaning at the high school. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I don't really come from a creative family mm-hmm. at all. Um, but they're, in saying that, they're completely supportive. And my brother, mm-hmm. sister and I, we all do very different things. Yeah. So I think it's really nice that they've been able to just foster us as individuals. Yeah. And not, you know, push us in any way. In any particular yeah. direction. Yeah. I guess with that in mind, what were you thinking and sort of feeling that you were going to do next as school was drawing to a close? Yeah, I really wanted to go to do drama at university. Yeah. Yeah. So at that time, I was still with this theatre company, Urban Myth, I think it's called. Cool. Yeah. Urban <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, re- I reckon we've probably done it together. Yeah. <laughs> little, little it's coming out now. Yeah. <laughs> right, all right, good. We've established how we know each other. Cool, totally. yes. But um, yeah, and I kind of was still involved with that, and um, 
first year of uni, I didn't really get into the drama scene I wanted, so I just did um, Bachelor of Arts mm-hmm. at Flinders, mm-hmm. and yeah, kept up the drama, and went to, with a myth, went to India, like touring a wow. um, children's show for a month, Amazing. which was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, I think something happened during that time. I think I realised I didn't want to do drama because it didn't. Ex- I wasn't able to express myself in the way that I wanted, even though I didn't know what I wanted. So at in year twelve, just going back, hmm. um, at that time we had to do a science subject to pass, yeah. and I loved chemistry, but the teacher just said to me, "You're not gonna pass if you do it." Which is like so mean. <laughs> like, hang on, shouldn't you be helping me pass? So I was looking outside of the box and I found that if I did photography, mm-hmm. because it's dark room and working with chemicals, it's considered science. Yes. <laughs> A lot of artsy kids found that loophole during our period of school. So yeah, I was the same, except I did maths apps. <laughs> cool. I know how to do my taxes really well now. Yeah, so geez, I don't regret that's a great skill. <laughs> So I did that um, externally mm-hmm. at Martin Senior College. Yeah, I used to catch like the bus, a couple of buses there. Yes. So that was really cool, and I really liked that um, photography. Um, and like, I got this little award at the end of the year, like top student or something. Wow. Yeah, it was nice. really cool. And then, so I think when I was at uni, I didn't get into the drama thing. Mm-hmm. My mum just said, like, "Well, what do you, what do you enjoy?" Or, Remember that photography thing? Do you still like that? Maybe you should try that. So I just enrolled in a visual arts degree at UniSH. Yeah. And started doing that. Mm. And then a couple of years, I didn't really enjoy it for the first two years. Like I was just drinking a lot, you know, like being party, party young person. And um, then in my final year, I really got into a really nice group of people with Sundari. And like there was a group of us really interested in analog photography. Yeah. Egged each other on, and um, yeah, I found kind of like my place, yeah, and my vision. Yeah, I found my vision. Yeah, yeah it's it's a grounding thing finding mm. your community at the same time that you're doing something that you enjoy. It's mm. nice you're able to do that for a second time post drama. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how were you living during the period that you were at uni? I was in a share house, yeah, in um, Parkside. Mm-hmm. Uh, with my friends, and you working? I was on Centrelink. Yes. And I can't remember if I had a job. I reckon I did for some time. Yeah, I worked at Big W for a little bit. Must have had another retail job. But I managed on yeah Centrelink. Nice mm. Yeah, right. Just Brutal. being. Yeah. Nice. That's my life. <laughs> <laughs> right. Pretty skin. Yeah. So yeah, that was good. Mm. So after the sort of it started to take hold a little bit more for you mm. in the third year, um, what were you kind of hoping to make out of it in terms of how you'd live and how you'd work? Mm. I think, well, when I finished university, I wanted to study more. Mm. I wanted to travel, mm-hmm. so I actually went and did my honours in Hobart, in Tasmania, oh. and. I wanted to do that because I found, I started getting interested in working with nature. I saw my works, 
about my experience with nature. And I thought that would be a good place to go and just kind of get away from Adelaide and experience things on my own two feet. Mm -hmm. And the university in South Australia was good, but I wanted to see, like, experience something different. And I guess see how my art went in a different place. Mm -hmm. So I moved down there, went to uni for a year there, which was super hard. Probably like one of the hardest years of my life. Yeah. Had you ever left South Australia? No, I never lived away from my family. Yeah. And um, like Tasman, Hobart's a really beautiful place, but it's a very close community if you're not going to be there for a long time. Mm. I think it's a bit different now, like things are changing, there's more young staying kind of like Adelaide but yeah that was in 2011 or 12 I was there um, and a few of my family members passed away and were really sick during that time so it was a bit like I was away but I really wanted to be at home really yeah. needed to be at home yeah and actually the university was not great for me I realized that academically I really couldn't keep up and they didn't have the compassion for me because they didn't know who I was, really. They didn't have the compassion for me to understand my learning difficulties. And, um, yeah, I think at UniSA I had a good relationship with my teachers yeah. and they could see that I was trying really hard and my passion was there and my artwork was doing it, but academically I just wasn't that great. Yeah. So, yeah, when I went to Tasmania, I was a bit... Yeah, I went from being the top of my class, graduating undergrad, to being just passing honours. Like, I think they just passed me to be kind. (laughs) Which was really... Yeah, but it was really good because I came out of that and I was really angry and Mm. I wanted to show them that I was more than academics. Mm. So I ended up applying heaps of stuff Mm. and got grant from Arts SA, it was called the Art Start Grant, which yeah. is $10,000, and I just toured like all the little work that I'd made for honours, which I was really happy with, mm. it was really strong work. I just toured that around Australia, different um, galleries and photography places. It was really good foundation for me um, for the yeah. following years. Yeah. But at the time, I was pretty like, you know, in hindsight, you're like, wow, I probably wouldn't have done that. That's pretty bold. But at the time, I just couldn't see it. I was just doing it. Yeah, and I think when you come out of honours, you're so you're working at such a, a capacity, an incredible <laughs> yeah. capacity that you, I think a lot of people kind of come out swinging from that. Yeah. Like, I've got to do everything. <laughs> I have to be working for at least 12 hours every day. <laughs> Like, you're, you're functioning at such a high level, I think, yeah. often after honours. I've had a few friends come out, particularly from a visual arts honours, mm. who are just, like, you know, eight shows lined up. Yeah. Like <laughs> like, I would never do that now. No, no, and I don't think that they would either. <laughs> um, just for people who don't know, explain mm. a little bit about the structure of doing honours, if you do honours in visual arts. Sure. Well, mine was really different and I think that the program I don't even know if this honours program still runs mm-hmm. but it was called honours by coursework so I actually didn't have to write a thesis um, I had to write a small I think it was maybe two or three thousand words okay um, which suited me fine yeah but um so I guess it's I don't really know if it's technically um, some sort of academic honours but Mainly, it was creating a project, 
um, that was the main thing that we had to do is create yeah one one major project and then write about that. What were the parameters around it? I don't even remember. There wasn't any. Did, so was it kind of abstract? Did your thesis supervisor just say, yeah, that's a, that's a good enough project, you can do that? No, I think I had a very bad relationship with my um, supervisor. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. my nightmare. <laughs> and my the lady that ran uh, the photography department, who was like the go-to person if you have any issues, mm. was like my supervisor's wife. So I actually did go to her and kind of request Definitely, I wanted to work with a woman because mm-hmm. my at that time I was very emotional and I didn't feel like I could open up to this stone cold man. And she kind of just laughed it off, like, "Ha, oh, you're going to complain to me about my husband." And I was like, "Oh my god, talk about a small community." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was really kind of like a stalemate with me and my um, my mentor, whatever you call her. And uh, I felt very lost. Yeah, I needed. I didn't know what I was trying to explain and he just kind of, every time I kind of tried to talk about it in relation to my emotions, he kind of said like, that's not enough. You need to have a bit more of a um, concept behind it or something like that. And I was like, but that's just fake. Like my work is about something inside of me that I'm trying to discover. And um, yeah, that kind of wasn't acceptable. And I ended up not like to pass, you have to show your journals and your work in and stuff. But it was kind of very personal, so I didn't want to do that. And um, I think the big thing, which is why I nearly failed, was I was meant to do like an oral presentation, which I completed. And then my um, my auntie passed away, and I had to fly back to Adelaide for the funeral. And then two weeks later, my grandfather passed, so I had to stay in Adelaide for about a month. And I came back, and I was like, "Oh yeah, so you failed that, and um, I hope you had a nice holiday." And I was like, oh, but I've, <laughs> I've actually done the work and, like, my doctor had written me a letter to yeah. say, you know. And, yeah, so that dropped my grade and everything. So it was just really – I was really young and maybe not explaining myself properly or standing up for myself, but they were not very compassionate towards me at that no. time. Yeah, but there was lots of issues within the university right. as well, lots of tension and yeah. things that I probably don't understand as well as bad time to be there. Very bad time to be there and I'm sure it's different now that both those people I think have retired too. Mm. <laughs> um, so that was honours. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so you but you did graduate. I graduated yes. and I think I got fifty five percent. Nice. That's good enough. <laughs> yeah. Um okay and then you moved home? I came back home, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and dove into a whole bunch of stuff and yeah. got this grant. Yeah. Um, so what what was that year? Was it a year that you were touring for? Yeah, I think so. It must have been. I kind of travelled a lot. Went mm-hmm. to pretty much every state. Yeah. And took a show there. Mm. And I, I was just, I think, like, talking about things that have been legs up for you. Yeah. I think summing it up, looking back, is I've always had people that my work has spoken to maybe mm. that's not the right word like people have always believed in my artwork even from kind of like the get-go when I didn't even understand what it was and they have supported me and whether it's through like being able to get some awards or people accepting um, my exhibition in kind of galleries that maybe they're a bit 
higher up than maybe I should have gotten into, just because it's it's kind of a bit different, a little bit experimental. And yeah, I think that year I was able to show in some places and um, create some sort of like beginning of a reputation, yeah, Australia wide, yeah, um, which still you know has I've always I've had knock on positives from that still yeah even like clients continuing to come back and visit my work and yeah yeah I mean I I don't know how to phrase this I know obviously the work is a primary part of that success but what are your relationships like with kind of the the curators or the gallery owners or whoever Mm. it is who was who were facilitating these shows most of them were just kind of like independent. Like I was just did it independently. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think good. I don't really know how to answer that. Yeah, I might be asking it in an awkward way. That's probably <laughs> my fault. I don't know. I just, I, I mean, I feel like there has to be. You have to have grown a bit of a community along with mm. doing all of those shows around Australia. Um, and I guess what I'm kind of moving towards is just talking a little bit about um, the way that you've become a working artist. Yeah. And, and it seems that a lot of it, from my friends who work in visual mm. art, is in relationship-based mm. kind of um, work life. Yeah. I think I didn't necessarily, at that time, I didn't make connections that have been lasting. And I feel like that was a really long time ago, even though it was 2012. Five years. Five years. Five, six years. 2019, <laughs> six years ago. I feel like I've come, I feel like it was a really long time in the past. And um, from that, I think when I went to Tasmania and I did that, I really extracted myself from the South Australian community yeah, okay. when I left. And I like like I liked that for some reason. I needed it at that time. And then after I did all that kind of running around, I kind of came back and started to make re-establish myself here. Yeah. And that's where me being me now has really come from. Is that slowly building relationships back in South Australia, mm-hmm. and um, I don't. Think I haven't really branched out since then. Like, I haven't really had so many shows interstate now that I'm thinking about it. So that was – that's interesting. Mm -hmm. But I feel, like, very happy here now. Yeah. And um, there's always opportunities coming up. And I think it's just from consistently being here and participating in different ways. Yeah. Yeah, that it just keeps flowing. Yeah. Um, Okay, so after that year – how did you, how did your kind of life start to function? How did you live? Mm. How was your week? What were you kind of aiming for? After that, mm. I, I think throughout that time, like I was with, I uh, had a partner and he's also a visual artist and we worked really closely together and we lived in Tasmania together. And I think that was a really important part of my growth. And then we separated, um, returning to Adelaide, and that was really, really interesting time to kind of become an individual again, and to learn about myself and my art practice. So, 
I started really pushing myself in like camping and hiking. Mm -hmm. And so I would go on these trips where I was completely un unprepared and just go hiking for like three days while I just remembered while I was kind of touring around with these exhibitions. Mm. Like in Perth, I did my first three day trek on this trail called the Biberman Track. And that's, then I went to the Blue Mountains and did it. And it was kind of this discovery of myself and part of my process of kind of going out, getting out of the city and stripping away all that I thought that I knew about the world. So I never really spent much time in outside of the city. And then I applied for a residency um, on Flinders Island, mm -hmm. Tasmania. I went there for five weeks and there was like not much phone reception or internet and I was kind of like alone on this farm in, surrounded by a national park, which sounds like pretty cool. It was a super stressful time and <laughs> I got really anxious. But um, I kind of stripped back everything. I stripped back everything. Choice. Yeah. <laughs> and I kind of got into a state of depression actually, but it was almost necessary for my work to begin again. Yeah, okay. Um, so I kind of got to this the bottom of the heap. Mm. And then when I got back to Adelaide, I was able to start to rebuild that. And I've only been building up since then. Mm. But that was a pretty pivotal point. And at that time, I had been working um, in retail. Mm -hmm. And working, I didn't have a studio. I worked from home. Mm -hmm. and um, But I was able to get funding from Car Clue for that trip. Kaku was really good to me in my youth, whatever, under 25 or 26. Yeah. Almost every year I got a grant from them. Wow. They were very supportive um, and really helped me understand how to write grants. Mm -hmm. Like I would go to them and they'd tell me what was good and what wasn't. But it made me always think about, yeah, different. I felt like every grant round there was an opportunity to take and I just had to think creatively about that. Opportunity, so I've just been kind of jumping around there a little bit. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> um, do you just work as an artist now? Yeah. Um, How were you kind of able to make that transition mm, out of having to do your yeah retail job? Well, I've kind of kind of gone in the last few years. It's a pattern of working solely on my art practice. Mm -hmm to having a job mm -hmm. for a few months and then kind of quitting that and then so at the moment and then also being on welfare mm. like on the doll mm. at the moment i'm back on the doll which is not a great place to be but it's necessary almost just to be able to pay the rent and not have to think about that yeah but then you can't really live off that i do get income from my practice but I always try to put it straight back in okay. rather than use it on my living yeah and my living expenses over the years I've cut down to be very low mm -hmm. um, trying to make it pretty minimal what I spend because I figured out like the more money you spend the more time you have to work for money yes. so if you just don't spend money then you don't have to work for it yeah 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 <laughs> I mean, it's so simple it's rational <laughs> But um, yeah, I've worked in retail on and off, and last year I think for about three months I worked at Doe's, yeah. the bakery, and it's often been when I get a job, like a paying job, 
it's when I feel a bit in a rut in my practice. I'm like, oh, I should quit the job. Then I get a job and I'm like, oh, I've got no time to make art. I have to quit this job. And then I'm like, yes, now I've got time to make art. It lifts you out of that. Yeah. It's got a function and you get paid for it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, cool. How have you managed to kind of cut down your living expenses? What sorts of things have you done to manage it? I think I, I read a lot, like, over the years about um, Buddhism and, um, like, I really – meditation is a big part of my life and yoga and those things are about – not about owning things and not being a part of that consumerist um, cycle. Mm. And I like to have a particular diet that I like to keep to keep my gut healthy and my mind healthy. So I often cook it with my own food. Yeah. Um, try to eat local produce, which isn't necessarily cheap, but it's almost more sustaining for the body as well. Like if you eat well, you don't need to eat as much. And if you don't have too many chemicals in your diet, then you don't get as sick. Like I don't actually get sick, so I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So there's all these kind of little things, but I just don't buy stuff. I think when I was at university, I really struggled because I was always buying new clothes or books and lots of books and this and that. And at university, I, because I work with film, photographic film, which costs like quite a bit of money. Yeah. I stopped drinking alcohol because every beer I bought was one roll of film that I couldn't buy. So that's how I like ration that out. Yeah. And that's just stuck with me ever since. So I kind of see things, objects that maybe I want to buy. I see it in materials. Yeah. Like if I buy that, then I can't process this film. Yeah. 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 So I just live very simply, um, which other people wouldn't like, I don't think. Mm-hmm. So lots of especially older people say, oh, you're so lucky to be able to do what you want to do. Like, I wish I could do that. But then it's like, well, if you knew the life I led, you probably wouldn't think it was lucky. You'd think it was a bit sad and it's not for everybody. Poor. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, what, are, what is your kind of day or your week like? At the moment, well, yeah, since I've just been in Japan, But usually, I go to my studio most days, Mm -hmm. maybe four days a week. I try to go every day, but um, reality is I can't get there every day of the week and I probably shouldn't get there every day of the week. But yeah, I go to my studio. If I'm living, if I'm in the city, I'm probably either writing grant applications or editing photos Mm -hmm. or thinking about stuff. And that usually happens in my studio Mm -hmm. in the city. And then... I do travel quite regularly, maybe like once a month. Um, I'll go on some sort of trip out of the city, whether it's like one night camping or like two weeks hiking or something. By yourself or with other people? Mixed, yeah. Yeah. I generally get my work done when I'm by myself. But I also volunteer for a company that we take groups of young people out to the Flinders Ranges for two weeks hiking. Yeah. And that's that's actually volunteer, but I also get paid um, like an honorary amount, which is very handy. Yeah. It's super hard work. Probably the most challenging thing I've ever had to do, just physically and emotionally. But I can, I do make work out there as well. (laughs) Because um, 
we're hiking through this amazing landscape and um, up at sunrise and always seeing the sunset and climbing the mountains and things. So is that just hard physically or is it difficult? Yeah. Is the work difficult emotionally? Yeah. Physically it's very difficult because we aim to do um, 100Ks over eight days um, and the terrain is super rocky. Yeah. It's really, it just destroys your boots um, and your ankles. <laughs> yeah. And it's hot. Like um, last March I was out there and it was over 45 degree heat. There's no shade anywhere. Yeah. Like I think I drank eight litres of water in one day and I barely peed. <laughs> and then you've got 10, uh, 13 to 16 year olds. Mm. Generally, I've worked with young boys. Mm. Um, and they're considered at risk. So um, whatever that means, whether they're, you know, they've got learning difficulties or they come from uh, a challenging family situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they don't, like some of them, are, they all have to choose to be there, but they don't actually understand what they're choosing. So when they get there, they get really upset or um, angry, emotional, it, and you've got up to 10 of them. So there's always something happening. And so you're forcing them to walk. Each day, and um, yeah, it's really hard. What is what are sort of the aims of the the process? Yeah, I mean it's wilderness therapy basically. Um, it's kind of the idea, which I believe in, that nature has the power to heal, mm-hmm. um, and that's what I've experienced throughout my practice. Mm-hmm. My artwork is all about that for me. It's the healing process every time I go out. So taking them away from technology, from the people that expect them to act a certain way, like whether they're a troublemaker at school, we don't know that. We see them as who they are at that moment. We don't treat them in a way that maybe their teachers do. Yeah. So often the most troubling students will be the best out there because nobody's expecting them to play up yeah. or seeing them you know, and picking those bad things about them. And it's, you know, group dynamics, um, trying to work with each other and everything's about the group and how we can stay together and get from A to B. Mm-hmm. And um, leadership, like team leadership, mm-hmm. um, which is really important. Yeah, I guess through challenging experiences, you learn a lot, you know, through positive, easygoing experiences, you have a good time, but you don't That's a massive emotional process for you to go through repeatedly, even if yeah. it's not even if it's not personally as intense for you as it is for the boys. Or it's super intense. <laughs> like so they're carrying from like that starting place all the way through to the end place, which I imagine is quite significant for them. And for yeah, you, you're doing it over and over and over. Well, we don't walk on a track or anything. We kind of have a property up there, and we just navigate around it. Mm-hmm. So for us as leaders. I mean, it's really hard for me because I usually work by myself and I'm not necessarily want somebody that wants to take the lead. Mm. So I'm learning to do that and to be confident in myself. So navigating and making decisions and saying, like, maybe I don't know, but we just have to go this way yeah. and being confident in that for the team. Yeah, and we navigate around the property. So we might start here and then kind of come around or do mm. loops. 
um, which is also part of it because they'll get annoyed. They're like, hey, we were over here yesterday. Why are we doing this? And it's like, it's not about the destination. <laughs> I'm sure they love. It's just about walking. <laughs> but, like, I did it four times last year, and I did a couple, like, back-to-back ones. So within three weeks, I was out there again. And it's really physically draining like I kind of got issues with my feet Mm -hmm. and um, my back and emotionally there's only so much you can give because it is even if it's a really good like you know you say easy team there's not too many issues with the kids are good good people you know yeah okay Um, yeah well behaved there it's just hard being, even if it was all your friends out there for eight days together, it would, it would be hard. It would still be hard. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. we stay up there for two weeks. Um, so, and that's, there's not really phone or internet yeah. out there. So just kind of to step away from my own business for that time is straining as well. Because yeah. I kind of come back and I'm like, oh, yeah. all this stuff to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'm only doing that once this year, um, which I think is enough for me because I, then I also want to keep my body well for my own trips mm-hmm. because, um, yeah, last year I found I was very tired um, after those trips and I didn't necessarily want to go out hiking for my own art practice. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, I, I suppose the only other thing that I just wanted to ask before we finish, mm. it's a really cheap question, but I always <laughs> ask it, um, is there anything from your kind of story that we haven't talked about that you feel like is significant? That's mm, okay. Yeah. Come to you straight away. Yeah. You think? I think um, learning from others is really important, and um, I've had like mentors, and I've always contacted people to help me or not necessarily thinking that I was asking them to help me but contacting people and then in turn their advice or just their story hearing their stories especially different artists it's always I've learned a lot from that and I really like that's why this podcast is a great idea because often people will contact me as well now and like we'll just catch up and I'll kind of tell them my story or things that happened along the way. And I think that's really a beautiful way to learn from your community and connect with people. Mm. Yeah, and just being almost blind, I think, sometimes in the art world is handy. Like I look back and I see, oh, you know, I can't believe I did that or... I had the guts to do this, but I didn't need the guts because I didn't see how much <laughs> I was actually being brave at the time doing it. it. Just seemed like the logical thing that I had to do. Yeah. And then when when I when I think I have to do something or I get an idea in my head, I can't not do it. Yeah. So going on residencies, even I've just been in Japan for two months, like two months ago if I knew how hard it was have been would I have really been able to step on that plane I don't know yeah but you just kind of have to let go and do it and then if you talk yourself out of it you get nowhere better not to know yeah and thinking about money you know people were constantly asking me oh you're a visual artist can you how much money do you make do you make a living off that and it's just like 
I would never ask somebody else that question. Oh, you're a doctor. How much money do you make a year? Like, is that acceptable? No, it's not. Mm. But some random that I've just met is always asking me that. Mm. But I don't think... I can't think about money. Mm. I can't think about the fact that I don't have any superannuation or I'm probably never going to own a house or if I wanted to have a family, I don't know how I'd support them. Mm. Because I might even just die tomorrow. Like, and then that would be more... That would be a waste. This is how I see it. It doesn't yeah. work for everyone. Yeah. But I try to really just live in the present. Yeah. And um, if I worry about money, it's just energy wasted. I should be putting that into my art practice. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> on, that, on that note, I'm, pr- I'm probably going to ask something a little bit counterintuitive as the last question. Yeah. But... Um, in whatever way that you've thought about it, what do you feel like you want to do next? What do you want to change or what are you mm. hoping to do in the kind of future-ish time? Future-ish? Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> have to be too far ahead. Yeah. I just want to keep going. Yeah. Like, I have a business plan and the vision is to continually make artwork and connect with others. And so that's my under, under everything. That's mm. my goal. Mm. Um but I guess I would like to work more with other people, community work, yeah. um, even working with other artists, because that's kind of field I haven't really worked in and it scares me, yeah. and I avoid it. So it's like, okay, I have to go there. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's to scratch. And I also, something that I've been thinking about a lot and with this Japan trip is I want to really find new ways to express myself so not necessarily working with photography. So I've been, yeah, trying a little bit of film and I do like drawings and write poetry. Just want to, I feel like with practice, I could put my vision into anything yeah. um, and not get, not stop myself just because the first time I try it, it doesn't work. <laughs> it's like practice, practice, practice. Yeah. So I feel like, yeah, that's what I want to do in the future is different mediums and nice. but just be just keep, keep having fun yeah and um being joyful and connecting with others yeah yeah that's probably what i want to keep doing in the future yeah yeah nice if you have any questions for me or for alice or anything about the podcast just write to me on our social um also a like and follow us and rate us on itunes and all of those good things um i will be back in a fortnight um and i'll let you guys know then what i'm planning to do while i'm away because i'm still sort of deciding what the best thing is to do um until then i've been sarah and bell this has been gate close panic i will see you in two weeks Bye.